0: on today's show.
1: To many churches, uh, accountability, you know, often feels like a string to a check. It can begin feeling very transactional. I think one of the blind spots is 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 for us to just think in terms of less transactional and play the biblical role that the local church needs to play in in a church member's life that we're to spur them on towards love and good works mm. while there is a transactional relationship happening. Yeah. That there's a biblical component, a a, a spiritual component to that relationship.
0: Stay tuned. And welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Kochman, Director of Communications and Media at ABWE. Joined, as always, by my fellow host, Scott Dunford, coming to us from Fremont, California. And you're you. And welcome to the show today. And before we start, if it's a blessing to you, remember that by the end of the show, leave us a positive rating and review in your podcast platform of choice that'll help other people discover this content. You know, I've just been blown away lately, Scott, by the number of people that we have listening from different corners of the world. We saw a lot of engagement the last couple of weeks with our conversations with Brad Vaughn, talking about some important missiological topics. And if you have a topic that you want to discuss with us, too, you can email Alex at missionspodcast.com. But, Scott, before we just keep, you know, shooting the breeze together, which we usually do to start the show, we have a third guest, uh, kind of just honorary co-host in the studio here with us as well. I like that title. Yeah, yeah, that's good. We'll stick with it. President of ABWE, Paul Davis, our good friend. How are you today? Great.
1: It's so good to be here. It's, it's been a little while. It has, I know.
0: But we've been getting it on the schedule, and thanks to Sabrina for <laughs> helping long. us get it on yes. the schedule. So, yeah. And we'll we'll make a regular habit out of it, too. I like that. We love like having that. you on. So yes. we were talking a little bit before we got on the air about we all come at missions as as churchmen, right? And that's kind of the station that right. the Lord has us each in in various ways. Yes, we're here working at a missions agency. We've got a lot of people on the field listening as well. But one of the primary hats that we tend to come at missions with is, is that that pastoral hat, right? Mm, yes. Uh, the, the problem is, is y- you don't know what you don't know. Um, right. I I recently had lunch with a pastor this week who we're trying to pick his brain for some trainings that we're building. And I'm asking him how he would go about it. And he just shared the simplest thing, which was just, hey, don't forget to vision people in your church on the value of missions. And here am I thinking mm. downstream about mm. all the things you got to teach them about holding the rope and right. m- member care and financial support, right? And I had forgotten the simplest thing: not assuming that your local church knows why we do missions. Man, that's just one small example, but I think it illustrates it's so easy to come at missions with blind spots, and we all yeah. have them. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's it's one of the reasons why I preach a lot on the Great Commission.
0: Yeah, and which most people don't know. Statistics tell us.
1: Right. Right. And I often think of it as, again, someone who's working in the missions field that everyone knows the great commission, that everyone understands it, that, uh, that this command from a resurrected Christ is, you know, on the tongues of, of all believers. Right. And, uh, and I visit churches and I talk with the pastor and I ask, you know, when was the last time you preached on the great commission? You know, I would like to go there, but I just don't want to overdo it. If you, you know and and many times I'll hear, well, man, I preached through Matthew in ninety seven um so it's been it's been a while yeah. um and uh and and I find I need to uh I need to preach and so I, I end up getting to preach to cast a fresh vision for a local church
0: yeah um that's the and, biggest blind spot, right just preach on
1: the great commission right it it can often be overlooked like yeah. that it's assumed knowledge, yeah. And you talk to your yeah. average church person, and mm-hmm. and it isn't assumed knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: So we've got a litany of questions for you. I'll ask the first one. Okay. So one thing that has come up even lately in conversations I've had with people is um, one blind spot can be when the staff, the, the leadership, the eldership composition of a church changes. Mm. That really affects missionaries. But that's usually the last thing that we're thinking about when we're managing yeah. leadership transition within our local churches. And so you'd say that's a blind spot for missions. Why is that?
1: Yeah, I think um, when we think of what would be a church's blind spot when it comes to supporting a missionary, when there is a leadership transition, many times a church is handling so much of the the pass-through and handling communications and handling, um, you know, what are we going to say to the congregation? what does the congregation know about the new person? What do they know about the outgoing, you know, situation? And there's that they often forget that this transition becomes highly important for the missionary out on the field. Mm. And uh, and Scott, right. you could probably speak to this because, you know, you were a missionary that was was gone mm-hmm. for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. But I think what churches don't realize is, when a missionary's gone for a long period of time and there's leadership turnover, that creates stress in a missionary's life. Mm. creates mm. stress and, you know, do they still love me? You know, questions. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like, Scott, what were some of the questions that you asked yourself when there was turnover in, in church leadership? Oh, I mean, every time
2: a pastor leaves, you realize they might they might, they, this pastor might have a totally different vision of missions. I might be on the outs, you know, or maybe they had come with a, a different, uh, you know, philosophical bends or bend or theological bend, and I don't connect with them as well. If it's your sending church, I mean, that creates a whole new, you know, set of problems because now I've got a new pastor that I don't even know and might not get to know for a couple of years. I mean, that, so the, yeah, there's a lot of insecurities and difficulties that come with, you know, leadership transition of, a supporting or ascending church.
1: And I think churches know that that transition affects a missionary. I don't think, and this is where I would say the blind spot is with, with many churches, they don't understand the amount of stress that that puts on, on a yeah. missionary. Sometimes just because of the time, you know, like Scott mentioned, you know, it could be two years before that missionary can re-engage in the church. Well, that new pastor has been established. They've been, you know, the transition has taken place and everyone, is settled in 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 the, in the new roles, and then the missionary is coming back, and it's all new to them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the church is like, you know, hey, you know, this is old hat, and the missionary is feeling this pressure. Do I does the ministry that God has called us to still fit within the vision of the church's vision? Mm. Has there been has there become a new strategy? Are 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 they working out tactics that I can or shouldn't be a part of? And so I would encourage. Churches and and missionary teams. If their church is going through a transition, to really think carefully, how do we communicate and and lower the stress level that a that a missionary will feel um, during that transition?
0: It's it's funny how easily communication can fall through the cracks. I recently had a missionary reach out to me and say, "Hey, several years ago." your church sponsored the building of several church buildings in in the Dominican Republic, and here's how they're doing, and here's some photos, and can we talk more and give a ministry update? And had to politely reach out to this lady and share, actually no one except for maybe three or four people who was at the church, not just in leadership, but attending the church is still there. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. The, the entire membership role has almost 100% turned over. It's, right. it's incredible. And and having kind of that awkward conversation of like, let's, let's start this
2: relationship from square one. Right. Um, so many things can be lost in transition <laughs> there. Right, Scott? <laughs> yeah. Well, I and mean, that's a great, that's a great example because I mean, I think our, our lives are going at one speed. Other people's lives are still moving at their speeds. And we just think that, the world where we're not is just kind of frozen and then it's kind of a shock when we go back and realize they've moved on and we've moved on and we got to start over. So I'm wondering one, Paul, are there any other examples of how this transition has affected you know, you've seen it affect uh, missionaries or vice versa, but also, you know, because we have given a couple examples already. What what are some best practices that you would say to churches, like, hey, this is what I would recommend, or to missionaries, even to take initiative on their end. Right. Sometimes churches are overwhelmed with details, especially you know, small churches. What could a missionary do to be proactive in that area? to help make that better?
1: I think on the church side, one of the most important things a church can do is make sure that their missionaries are getting every communication that a church member is getting. Mm-hmm. If if you treat your missionaries like a church member, mm-hmm. you're going to give them the cadence of information that they're going to need to be able to track with uh, what's happening at the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have them just separate Like, here's the email to our missionary family, and here's the email to our church family. Uh, There's going to be a miss in communication, and there's going to be a lapse, I think. Uh, So I think on the church side, that would be just a simple best practice that I would include. Mm. Uh, On the missionary side, you have not because you ask not, Mm. Right. Uh, I, I think the, the missionary needs to be proactive. If they know there's a transition going on, find the person in the church that does have the margin to be able to communicate with you. Yeah, Maybe it's a, a church secretary. Maybe it's one of the elders. Maybe it's a deacon that's serving on a missions committee. Uh, perhaps it's a, a lady in charge of the missionary ladies fellowship or whatever each church has. Yeah. I think it's incumbent upon the missionary to do a little work if, if the relationship with this church is significant to them to find that person who has margin to be able to, to talk. So that's all the
0: the, kind of the easy stuff. I mean, that's hard. Yeah. But those are two easy ones. It's a little easy Low hanging fruit. Right. Um, Something harder money. Yeah. So there's blind spots there with finance and financially supporting missionaries And I know that's something that you've been thinking about lately as well. Yeah.
1: So I think one of the the blind spots, again, uh, that churches have when it comes to our missionaries is what their monthly support amount communicates to the missionary. Mm. <laughs> now, I think it's important for missionaries. Talks. Well, I think it's important for every missionary to have different churches and individuals sponsoring them at different amounts. So, yeah. so I, please hear me. I'm not saying that, you know, if you support a missionary $50 a month or $25 a month or $500 a month or $1,000 a month, that, you know, one's bad and evil and one's good. I'm just saying that you need to be aware that the monthly support amount communicates something to the missionary about what type of relationship your church is wanting. Yeah, Mm -hmm. And uh, I was recently talking with a pastor and introducing a, a church to one of our missionaries, and I was hoping for them to begin supporting and begin a relationship there. And uh, the pastor took me aside and he said, look, I'm not looking to support a missionary at $500 a month. I want to take on 40% of their support. Mm. In other words, I want almost half of their support. I want our church to be in a, a tight relationship, and I want that missionary to know we are their family and we want to be communicated with. And, and that pastor understood that, hey, 40% of their support, that is them saying, we want a deep relationship with you. We don't want a simple relationship with you. We want to be involved in when you make decisions about what you're doing ministry-wise, we want to be a part of those discussions. But then there are churches that take on missionaries for $50 a month, and, uh, and their strategy is often let's support a lot of missionaries at, uh, at at a lower amount and we'll have a broad base of support and yeah. and and i understand that strategy i'm not criticizing it i'm just saying that that 50 dollars a month also communicates to a missionary and and scott you you guys mm-hmm. had uh both individual supporters and um church supporters at all different ranges right um Right. You know, what, what were those churches saying to you? Like, what, what did you feel relationally with those churches at different levels? Not that one, and I know they weren't good or bad, right? Yeah. It was just emphasis, yeah. right?
2: I had a, I had someone supporting us for $10 a month, but it was a, a high school student going into college that had mm. been in our youth group. And man, that $10 meant the world to me, you know, right, right. but, but yeah, for sure. There were churches that not only supported us, but then had high expectations and, um, there were churches that that didn't communicate at all. but certainly, I think, I mean, when we when a church is e- even if they can't give a lot, let's just say you're a church plant out there and you're taking right. on your first missionary, and for you budgeting twelve hundred dollars a year, a hundred bucks a month for a missionary is a big deal, right. I think just communicating up front, like we understand these things. We're going to talk about this in a little bit, but like traveling out here you know, once is going to probably not need to happen, but I I would like a zoom call, you know, or, or just setting those expectations of what you want to grow into. Um, and, and when I felt like we had churches that would communicate with us and make it clear what they were looking for and wanted involvement, you know, um, you know, I think of Emmanuel Baptist in Toledo was one of those churches for us that like, you know, they were, they were super invested. I, I got to know, uh, a couple of the families, you know, on the mission committee that were just super engaged in what we were doing, and and I tell you what, like that made that became a high priority for us as we were thinking through what we were doing and how we were going to communicate. They even sent someone to the field to visit us, and of course, like that just made those relationships that much deeper.
1: And again, I want to emphasize, you know, churches that support missionaries at low amounts, missionaries need those supporting churches mm-hmm. as well. So. I want to be careful it's, sure. that it's not a good bad thing, it, because I, I think it's it's important for people to not walk away thinking that missionaries, you know, love churches that give lots of money and don't love churches that give little right. bit. It it's about what type of relationship yeah. a church wants. Right? Yeah,
0: and and the money is a piece of that relationship. It is. I, I've got a great relationship with uh There's there's one ABWE missionary couple. Uh, when they were raising their support to go to Peru, they said like, hey. Can you buy us a cup of coffee each month, five five bucks a month, you mm-hmm. know, and they had built their whole support structure in tiers. And they're like, we need this many at this tier, this many at this tier it was a smart model. And I was strapped for cash at the time. And, but I was, yeah, yes, I, I can do that. I love you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And so we've supported them at $5 a month for the past couple of years. And we got a handwritten card from the mm-hmm. wife. Mm-hmm. I think it was around Christmas time who she doesn't even know my wife that well, but follows her on Instagram and like, hey, I see you're you know, doing this side hustle now and how are the kids and all this kind of stuff. and just right. a wonderful thing. So you can have a solid relationship with right. someone uh, regardless of the cash, but you have to define what is right. the nature of that relationship. You have to uh, then follow through on that and be aware of what statement the financial support makes right. or doesn't make in the right. context of that relationship, especially as a church. Right. Because churches i think just like individuals you know there's there's some that i mean let's let's face it it's like okay we're going to support this person kind of out of pity i mean that people Mm people make support decisions sometimes very enthusiastically yes this is someone we love and then there's other times where it's out of obligation yeah and it happens anyway and and that's probably felt right sometimes i'm sure the missionary can tell the spirit that the gift is in and yet we should be cheerful givers in that way too
1: yeah and and you can cheerfully give at at yeah, different amounts. Yeah. One of the things that I think it plays into, though, is accountability. Right. Your giving amount, your support amount, really communicates importantly what level of accountability you want to have with that missionary. Mm. And I'll say this, and this may be a little bit controversial, but I'm going to say this: I think it's we don't
0: do controversy on this show, okay. so
1: yeah, I think it's inappropriate to give a a, a missionary a let's say a, a very low amount, mm-hmm. $25, $50 a month, and then expect high high levels of accountability of that missionary to that right. local
0: church. Right
1: Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't communicate well. I'm not saying that they aren't on the team. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be a good relationship here, but I'm saying high levels of accountability. Mm. One of the things I hear commonly from missionaries is the church that gives you know, maybe $25 a month, Hmm. but then requires all kinds of things of the missionary that (laughs) it's got your (laughs) your, (laughs) been there. Right. And it's Mm -hmm. it's, what it is. Is just, it's an inappropriate level of accountability. It's it's the kind of accountability though, that a church that like the church I mentioned earlier, if they're giving 40%, they better hold that missionary accountable. Right. And be a part of the team. You know, are, are you accomplishing your mission? Are you are you, is your family doing well? Are you, are you keeping your ministry priorities, ministry priorities?
0: That, that, that is a, if I could hop in, that's a potential blind spot because I, I see both perspectives. I, you know, I'm an elder in my church. I, I understand the desire. Let's lean in. Let's only right. support those that we fully believe. And we have this particular set of doctrinal commitments and we want these churches or the, these missionaries to align with that. I understand all of those impulses. I believe in, in elder leadership, those types of things. Yeah. But then I, I see the missionaries who are on the receiving end of that sometimes and they're like, all, all of this work for, you know, $20 a month or something like right. that. And and it can come off as tone deaf. And I even wonder, this is a question for you guys. I haven't heard of churches breaking their ministry partners down into tears, but maybe there's wisdom in that. Maybe saying like, all right, if if, if we're supporting a missionary at X amount per month or more. Then, here's the requirements, and there's an annual report, and we want you to visit the church, you know every time you're on furlough and things like that. If we're supporting you below this threshold, then you know it's it's like a junior partnership. It's like we'll we'll exchange letters, you know, but we're we're not going to put you through the ringer. I, I, I think there's
1: wisdom in that kind of an approach. I, I think that there's wisdom in that 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 could be a very practical way uh, to again, you know work out good accountability. Um, with the the tier of the relationship. Uh, I wouldn't have money be the only tiering tiering Mm -hmm. situation um, because sometimes churches take on missionaries that they dearly love, that they have a relationship with. Another situation that I dealt with recently is we had a a missionary family that they were at like 98% support. And I had a church I thought they'd be a great fit with, and they only needed like $75 $75 a month yeah. left to finish them off. Yeah. And, and so I, but I introduced them to the church anyway, the church fell in love with the missionary the missionary fell in love with the church. It's a great relationship. Mm. They're supporting a small monthly amount, but the level of communication mm. and the level of synergy and the level of working together is really inspiring uh-huh. to a level that you'd think, well, this is a church that's giving a thousand, two thousand $2,000 a month. Mm. Um, but it was just a good love connection. So I think there are other factors that that play into yeah. that as well. Yeah, Scott, did you have, were there some churches that you just had a close relationship with um, and it may not have translated financially, but it just translated to connection with maybe one of the leaders or connection to the, the church as a whole.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had, you know, there's, there was a couple of t- I had, I had a number of churches up in the upper peninsula of Michigan, which, None of the churches are large, and all of the churches are pretty poor. And um, we had just really sweet relationships with them, where they communicated a lot, but also just gave a lot of pastoral care. Mm. And uh, that was something that I think a lot of the bigger churches uh, couldn't do as much of. I mean, they had a lot of involvement, but not the pastoral care. And you know, I have I had a pastor um, that would just pretty much monthly just call me and send me a note how's your family doing how's your relationship with your wife going and we we had just developed this kind of really special relationship even though i think they supported us like a hundred dollars a month they didn't they didn't require a lot of us they weren't like they i think they were wise and going okay we know what we can support and we know what we should be asking but i do think that even still they took good care of us and it was a very special relationship
1: well i was just going to say i mean here here's the hard part did did you have churches that, or a church that you didn't have a close relationship with that supported you a very small amount, yet asked um, incredible um, accountability questions and a and, and level of accountability that just was totally out of line with the type of relationship that the church was forming with you?
2: For us, we did not have that. Yeah. You know, we, no, by God's by God's grace, we didn't we didn't have any of that, even, okay. or, nor That's with good. our with our individual supporters. Um, I mean, I've heard of churches that did, but you know, thankfully, we didn't. In fact, I would say, you know, probably more of a problem was just that we didn't. Some of the connections just weren't weren't real strong, and we wish that we had more communication. And it was a little bit funny. I mean, we were in restricted access right. situation, so I think that was always, especially at that time, like it was really hard to know. What to do and what to say and how to do it, right? And so um, that created, you know, some unique, unique challenges. But I, I I also think we just had really good, you know, really good, healthy relationships for the most part. I want to ask one more question about finances, and that is that is just what, what are some are there any blind spots that you think churches have, you know, on the other side of it about the challenges and financial needs that missionaries are facing? What do you think are some blind spots about that whole topic of what are the financial needs of missionaries, and how can these blind spots be addressed? Especially because the missionaries are in a weird position of you know, needing support and wanting it, but also needing to be able yeah. to be clear about what
1: their real needs are. Here's something that I was talking uh, to several, both missionaries and churches about very recently, and that is we're all familiar with the idea of outfit and passage, mm-hmm. that a mm. uh, missionary needs monthly support to support their family, but there's also... This almost one-time setup fee, this the setup package that needs to happen with it when a missionary goes to a foreign field.
0: Yeah, you got your shipping container. You got to buy a car. You know, all whatever. Right. Yeah, especially right. for long term.
1: That whole piece. Uh, one of the things that I've come to realize is that we require as a mission agency a certain level of that outfit and passage, and right. every missionary works to attain that level. I would say to a pastor, and this is something that they probably wouldn't know or couldn't know, but that outfit and passage level, that's a minimum. And generally, if you want to set up your missionary well, they need to be supported well over that outfit and passage mm. and I, and I would say this is a way to express love. this was mm. this is a very tangible expression of love to a missionary family. like if if they have to raise you know, twenty thousand dollars in their outfit and passage, Making sure that they have $30,000 so that they can buy not just the, the lowest used vehicle on the field right, or right. or rent the, the lowest apartment, that they can maybe set up their house a little bit nicer.
0: Because for most agencies, when they set that number, it's saying this is the absolute least amount of funds that we're comfortable letting this person go and attempt life Correct. in this new context with.
1: And, the, and in the case of ABWE, we're saying you can't go. Without this amount, right, right, mm-hmm. uh, and that's how important we think that that floor is. One of the missionaries I was talking to, their local church, said to them, said to the wife of the um, the family, said, "Look, we want you to set up your house well. Yeah, we well. want your house to have some of the creature comforts that you have here in the states." And they're going to a a a context that is very substantially different standard of living wise than the United States. Mm-hmm. And so the church was providing funds well over and above their outfit and passage goal. Mm-hmm. And as the missionary wife was talking about it, she's, she's, she starts bawling mm-hmm. and she's bawling because of the love that's expressed in, you know, Hey, we could have given you the minimum of the amount. Yeah. We want to give you, we give you more. And, and so I would say that's something that look as a pastor, I had no clue of that I thought yeah. the outfit and passage, I thought, Look okay, at the goal is the goal is the goal. Well, and that, it
0: sounds like a lot of money. Right. In mean, $20,000, that sounds like a lot of money.
1: Absolutely. But when you're moving halfway across the world, you know, a family of 6 and and you're setting up a new house and you're yeah. buying a new vehicle and you're it, it goes, like that. It goes yeah. fast. So let's talk a little more about
0: accountability. Mm-hmm. We already went there. This is probably maybe the the third major heading of blind spots that we'll get at today. And one thing that comes to mind, we're, we're talking about the relationship between money and accountability, but there's multiple types of accountability, right? There's accountability with the missionary and the, the agency. There's accountability between the church and the missionary um, and and accountability on the field as well. There's accountability up and down, mm-hmm. left and right. You know, it's a 360 degree thing, right? And and I can only see what's in front of me. And so what would you say are some of the blind spots that pastors and churches might have in how that accountability relationship works for missionaries
1: to, to many churches, uh, accountability, you know, often feels like, um, a a string to a check. Okay. And it can very, it can begin feeling very transactional. Mm. You supply us the answers to these questions Mm. and you get these X amount of dollars. Right. Um, I think one of the blind spots is, is, is for us to just, Think in terms of less transactional and play the biblical role that the local church needs to play in, in a church member's life. That we're to spur them on towards love and good works. Okay. That's a part of accountability, right? And that the relationship there is meant to be um, building up in like precious faith, uh, spurring on towards the love and good works, making sure that uh, the missionary is equipped and thoroughly furnished, and they can work with missions, agencies. And while there is a transactional relationship happening, that there's a biblical component, a a spiritual component to that relationship.
0: What you're saying makes me think of church discipline. When we use the phrase church discipline, usually we are using that as shorthand for excommunicating right. unrepentant people. But it's so much more than that, Correct. right? Discipline is everything that's also positive, that's yes. building people up, and sometimes it's negative. Right. And it's the same thing, We, you know, accountability. That, that sounds like it's only for confrontation when things go wrong. But are you also pouring in
1: right. to that missionary? The Apostle Paul started the letter to the Philippians with this, you know, I, I love you every time I pray. Yeah. Every time I pray, <laughs> I'm... I'm thinking of you and and I'm praying and uh-huh. I'm lifting you up. Uh-huh. And he was just so effusive about his love and his relationship for the Philippians. And then he tells us why. He says, because of the partnership in the gospel. Uh-huh. And then he goes on at the end of the book in Philippians chapter four to just say that this partnership in the gospel, this koinonia is the word he uses, fellowship in, in the gospel, um bore fruit to the Philippians account so it was it was a relationship that was paying dividends to the philippians it was meeting paul's needs it was becoming a sweet smelling savor to the lord and and god was ultimately supplying all of all of the needs mm. and so this accountability relationship was something that the apostle paul cherished and loved and you can make a case when you read the book of philippians that philippi might have been paul's favorite church Oh, arguably, right, and it's just again his effusive language, and it's all about the the partnership that they had, the way that they sent Epaphroditus to to meet the needs of uh, of, of Paul time yeah. and again, and when no other church supported him, uh-huh. um, the Phil- the Philippians uh, supported Paul, yeah. and so I think that's a, a key part of the accountability relationship.
0: Yeah. If I could just get in a comment real quick on the negative yeah. side of accountability, just like we were saying with finances, a blind spot can be like, hey, the, there's the action of supporting and then there's also what that communicates, right? right. There's the speech yep. and then there's the act. And, you know, it, it, it's the same with accountability as well. There's the activity of accountability, but then there's all of what that communicates underneath the surface. And and I have examples in mind that that wouldn't make any sense to get into, but... I do think that churches need to be aware if you holding a missionary accountable on certain things, you know, let's, let's take you through this process, this training, um, this mentorship, whatever that looks like. If, if, if that's less than sincere, like we don't, we don't really want to support you. So we're going to let you go through this process. Right. And then we'll find out along the way that it's not a fit or something (laughs) like that. Yeah. Just be honest. Right. Say it. Right. right? Define the relationship. Right. I tell the missionary, "Hey, we we just don't see alignment because that poor soul. If if that missionary is solid and sound and okay. sincere, right? And there's just a parting of ways, sort of a you know a, a situation like with John Mark between mm-hmm. Paul and Barnabas. If it's one of those, if it's not grave sin, then show them some kindness, right? Of not right. making them jump through hoops. If it's not totally sincere, if it's disingenuous at all, right? Let accountability be." To build up a person that you believe in mm. uh, and maybe not a, a sort of just give passive them a way of communicating off-ramp. that it's not a fit. Yeah, give them a long off-ramp as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would jump in that too and just say, you know, don't just send them a bunch of forms. Like, right. I mean, missionaries have to fill out enough forms as it is, you know, build a relationship them with them so you know what they're doing. and you're just hearing them explain their ministry you're gonna get a better sense of like what's going on and if that's something you want to be a part of uh or not um and then you know I think you know you know Paul could probably speak to this a lot too on the mission agency side but but you know advocate for your missionaries but advocate in a way that understands that you only know a part of the picture of what's mm-hmm. happening on the field I mean I, I remember being on the field and feeling like i'm I wish my I wish my church was were taking more interest in what we were sent to do because I was dealing with a conflict that I kind of needed some backup on. But on the other hand, recognizing that on the field, you know, there's, there's, there's team relationships that, yeah, of course your church is going to love you and support you, but they don't understand the whole dynamic of what's happening on the field. And so letting the church, especially for those that are serving in restricted access or very remote settings where, where phone calls and, and easy travel is not a uh, travel's not easy, I guess is the best way to say that. Letting the church, work, you know, I think most of our executive directors, on, you know, that over a field love to get a phone call from a church just saying, how's my missionary doing, you know, and having a good relationship between church and agency and then church and missionary and really helping to, to you know, create that, to foster that that sweet team related. I would say also to churches, like, get to know the teammates of your mm-hmm. missionaries. So you have a relationship not just with one missionary, but with the team, and you can have a better understanding of what some of those challenges might be and the personalities involved and how you can more effectively pray. I mean, I think those are areas that a lot of pastors and churches just don't really really think through, and either they over-accountable or they just are completely under-accountable. What, what do you think, Paul?
1: Yeah, and I think uh, there's a, a topic for another podcast here about... Uh, pastoral visits and and um, leadership team visits from a local church to a missionary that you support um, a lot of the things that you just mentioned there Scott can be worked through on a, on a visit to a missionary yeah mm. um, and I know that harder a, to do on an email though <laughs> correct correct um, getting to know teammates yeah. getting to see the work and know the context and the situation and I would say the stresses on the family you know, nothing um, breeds prayer in the heart of, of a pastor than when I visited a missionary in the field and I, and I felt the stressors that they're under, the cultural stressors. Uh. And it allowed me to pray for uh, we visited a, one of our missionaries that was in that were in Thailand. and and when I saw the the, th- the dynamics that were different in in, the, in that culture and in that dynamic, it changed the way we prayed and it changed the way that we cared for uh, our missionary. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that accountability piece, a good visit can help mm-hmm. in how you hold them accountable. Things that, um, Hey, are you taking your family on a vacation? Are, are you getting, you know, Scott, like your context, are, are you getting out of your context uh, enough to where your family can decompress yeah. from the things that they're, they're feeling. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: What other blind spots are there? I, I I think one thing that pastors should be aware of, and maybe you have a list of more, and, and we want to try and throw in as many as, as we can before we run out of time, but uh, on the accountability piece, missionaries feel the pull and the divide in their loyalties between church, between agency, and between field, especially church and field. I think that's a big pull right there because the the agency is is designed to sort of be in the background a little bit right and let the church be the church. but I think one of the challenges that 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 pastors face in shepherding missionaries is, well yeah, but that they, they are accountable to me, right'm I'm, I'm the shepherd, I'm the overseer of their soul uh, and and so forth. and yet there's these things that yeah they, they don't exist formally as an institution like the Bride of Christ isn't a, a field team, right the Bride mm-hmm. of Christ is the church but field teams matter mm-hmm. and there's certain obligations and duties and responsibilities that missionaries have in that direction as well and what advice would you give to a pastor trying to wrap his mind around the the tension that the missionary feels there with their their flesh and blood colleagues and and
1: teammates we're talking about blind spots what are the potential blind spots and and you know I noticed this moving from my role as a pastor to uh, working with a mission agency is that many times as a pastor, I knew the ministry that the missionary was up to. Yeah, I, I knew what they were working on. I knew their role. I knew what they were trying to accomplish, but I had no clue of the team that was surrounding them. And was their mission aligned with that team or was that a separate standalone mission and they just mm-hmm. happened to be, uh, I never knew that that dynamic even existed.
0: Because right, each missionary on that team is supported by different churches Correct. hearing different versions of that right. <laughs> with their own set of pressures. Yeah. Right. right.
1: And so when inevitably when team conflict happens, because it happens, yeah. right. Yeah. And uh, it can be for good or for evil, but knowing my missionaries role on that team, are they a team leader? Uh, are, are they a part of the accountability structure of, uh, of the mission organization that they're a part of or, Are they one of the teammates that Mm -hmm. are on the team? Those roles can feel invisible to a local church who's Mm -hmm. just supporting their missionary, doing their work on their field. But I think they need to understand that role because if they're just a teammate, they may have to follow the plan uh, plan that's handed to them. And they may not have a choice in, hey, my ministry needs to change a little bit because I'm a part of a team. Mm -hmm. Or they may be a part of a leadership structure that, that asks them to do something outside of the field that they're on. Right. Yep. Um, many of our upper level missionary uh, leadership, uh, we ask them to be regional as opposed to, you know, be in a certain country. So if if you've got a relationship with a church and you're just like, Hey, we're going to uh, Slovakia to, to, to do work there. And then the team asks you because of your new role to move to, Hungary. Um, that's close by, but that's not Slovakia. Why, why is that happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and realize that there may be agency wide or leadership wide yeah. or team wide, uh, situations going on.
0: And, and one comment with that too, I think it's important for a church. I, I want to support a missionary that holds their plans open-handedly. Sure. Because a person that's holding with a clenched fist, to the, the narrowness of maybe a vision that they received from their sending church um, is going to be hard to cooperate with on a team if that mm. vision at some level doesn't align. I mean, hopefully there's as much alignment as possible, yeah. right? We're preaching yeah. the gospel, we're planting churches. right? Uh, but within that, there's a lot that we can hold open-handedly as far as strategy and when, where, and how. And a person who is is only under those marching orders and not prepared to collaborate is going to be a lot more difficult to work with. and. I would much rather be supporting someone that I know is flexible and knows that, yes, they're under authority, but they're also in relationship and community with a Mm -hmm. team of workers and who understands those dynamics than somebody who, in the name of our church and our leadership, is going to be a bull in the china shop of the plans of a field team that's been entrusted to
1: be there themselves. And I I would say flexible but clear-eyed on their strategy. Yeah. In other words, if you're just wishy-washy on your strategy, that's... A double-minded man, unstable in all his ways, yeah. right? Yeah, um, yeah. But, you should believe in your cause, right? <laughs> but if you're clear-eyed, you you know what God is. Uh, God has gifted to me me to be a church planter, to to plant churches, to to to, to disciple men who will be able to disciple others. second that's my gifting. Be clear-eyed in that, but then open-handed on how that works out in a different culture yeah. with different teammates who also. You have to balance your gift sets against. Well, and, and yeah. if
0: the church is expecting the missionary to arrive on the field for the first time, Scott, I know you can attest to this, right? If the if the church is expecting that the vision that the missionary has shared is not going to change once they land on the field, the church should be prepared for disappointment, right? The church
2: should just know yeah. that as soon as they hit the ground, something's going to change in the plan. And I, and I would just say to like to pastors, if I can be you know so bold to speak to them here, is just is you know, don't don't create such a rigid structure that you don't that you lose you know the forest for the trees you know and I I've, I've seen that where it's like well we we want a church planting missionary I think that's right you of course you want to see churches planted but recognizing that it takes a lot of different pieces to make that happen and maybe maybe the best thing for this missionary is to move from being the church planting missionary to a a leadership role where they're helping lots of churches get planted I would just say, don't be so rigid in what you the structures you create in your church that you don't allow for for you know the multiplying of the work that can happen as someone really finds their unique ministry uh, niche. And and part of that's going to come down to communication on the missionaries' part, the the agency's part, but also as 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 church leaders, you know, don't create such a tight box that you don't understand all the components Mm -hmm. that go into planting a church. I mean, I. We've talked about this so many times on our show, but it's good reminding. I think is that you know you think of your church there in America and all the pieces that go into that church being successful. That if you move, remove the children's ministry leader, or you remove you know the worship leaders, or you remove those faithful deacons, you don't have a church anymore. I can right. think of several people that I've pastored that they had no, they were never elders or pastors, but you remove them from the structure, and we don't have a functioning right. church. And so recognizing that. That that successful church planting work is going to be dependent on lots of different kinds of people, and don't be so rigid that that a little shift will will cause the whole thing to fall apart. Actually, Paul, maybe we can throw this in here. You're reading a book right
0: now on this idea of holding your plans loosely, right? With opportunities that come up.
1: Yeah, um, the book Opportunity Leadership is a is, is a book that, that that talks about being able to capture opportunities as the Lord brings them. Uh, and as a focus of your of your leadership and how you're strategizing. And I think we could all name missionaries who maybe went to the field as evangelists, got into church planting. From church planting, they saw a need for theological education, and so they became theological educators, and then saw the need for resources being translated into uh, the language so that theological educators could be trained, and then they moved into translation work. And as the Lord used them in ministry over years, as language acquisition became better, God shifted their focus time and time again. Mm. And and uh, for churches to be flexible yeah. with that missionary as they grow and as ministries morph and change. Well, and important. we we all know from our lives that that's always true. Right.
0: That we always have to hold our hands open, right? And and God can put new plans in there or take the old plans out. And so why would we expect that that's not going to be the case for missionaries? Yeah, they have a calling. Mm.
1: But what I think what happens, Alex, is this. I think because we don't see a missionary sometimes for four years, yeah, right, um, we get surprised. Mm. And the church gets surprised that, um, well, we sent you as an evangelist, and now you're coming back as a theological educator. Well, we didn't ask mm. for a theological educator. And, and, and the <laughs> church didn't see them. And it's like, you know, if I hadn't seen right. your children in the last four years, um, your children have changed incredibly over the last four years. Mm. And so you're right. So we, we expect that change, but when we don't see someone for a long period of time, Mm. um, that's where it becomes a blind spot. Mm -hmm. Right. So all of a sudden we're shocked. Like, wow, This guy has gray hair now. He he didn't have gray hair when he left. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and he, wants, he also <laughs> wants to be a theological educator now. <laughs> you look older
0: and a little bit more stressed out in the furrowed brow four years later That's when right. you come back on furlough. Yeah. yeah. Well, we hope it's not four years until the next time you come back to the show. Paul. I hope not,
1: too. I yeah. enjoyed
0: it. We'll we'll have it again soon. And thank you for joining us as well. If you have other thoughts on blind spots maybe that you've seen or other topics to discuss or guests to interview email alex at missionspodcast.com again we hope this is a blessing to you the missions podcast is a resource of abwe and to learn more about abwe head on over to abwe.org of course we mentioned at the top of the show do all the fun things that help this podcast to rank but if you really believe in what we're about here you can go to missionspodcast.com and hit the support tab up at the top and if you've done that We're thankful for you. And if you'd consider doing that, we would appreciate that at this time. It helps us be able to do more and help more people think and go. And so until our next conversation, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.